This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, survived a vote of no confidence, but was left badly wounded by the act of insurrection within his party. The vote was triggered when at least 54 of his fellow Conservative MPs submitted secret letters of no confidence. The final tally, 211 to 148, fell short of the simple majority needed to remove him as leader. Mr Johnson promised to get on with the job and said he intends to lay out his vision for new policies to senior ministers on Tuesday. But with 41% of his own MPs in rebellion, his government looks set for paralysis. Fierce street fighting was reported in Severodonetsk, the eastern Ukrainian town that has become the key battleground in Russia's invasion. Despite being outnumbered and outgunned there, Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, said, Our heroes do not give up positions. Meanwhile, there were unconfirmed reports of a cholera outbreak in Mariupol, the port city that Russian troops raised before occupying. America's ambassador to Russia, John Sullivan, made an extraordinary plea on Monday. Please don't close our embassy. Washington's diplomatic channel to Moscow has remained open since America recognised the Soviet Union in 1933. Separately, Reuters reported that Russia has threatened to expel American journalists and an American court issued warrants to seize Russian oligarchs' private aeroplanes. Two of the Gupta brothers, a clan of businessmen accused of plundering state institutions in South Africa, were arrested in Dubai. South African officials said extradition talks with the United Arab Emirates were underway. They had fled after a judicial commission began an investigation in 2018. They are believed to have benefited hugely from their ties to Jacob Zuma, a disgraced former president. In Myanmar, the shadow National Unity Government, an alliance of groups opposed to the military junta that seized power early last year, announced that it will form its own police force. The NUG has already formed paramilitary-style People's Defence Forces, which are fighting the army outside the main cities and towns. It is not yet clear how many people would be recruited to the new force, but it moves the country closer to open civil war. Russia's ambassador to the United Nations stormed out of a Security Council meeting after the EU accused his country of causing a global food crisis. Charles Michel, the European Council president, said the Kremlin was using food supplies as a stealth missile against developing countries. Vasily Nabenzia, the Russian envoy, left the meeting as Mr Michel spoke, accusing him of spreading lies. The yen fell to a 20-year low of nearly 133 against the dollar on Tuesday. The sell-off was fueled by rising interest rates in America, and not by Japan's, which looks set to stay close to zero while inflation remains stubbornly low. Investors also worry that high fuel prices will increase Japan's trade deficit. With monetary options limited, the yen's fall may not have reached the bottom. And fact of the day. 40%. The share of prosecutors in San Francisco's district attorney's office who quit or were sacked in the 22 months after Chesa Boudin took office. 
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Australia grapples with inflation. In May, just before Australia's federal election, the Reserve Bank increased interest rates for the first time in over a decade. On Tuesday, confronted with rising inflation, it will do so again. Prices in Australia have not shot up as fast as in Europe or America, but the annual inflation rate of 5.1% in the first quarter of 2022 was still the highest in two decades. Jim Chalmers, the new treasurer, has said that the figure has risen, quote, significantly higher since then. Analysts reckon the bank could lift rates to 0.75%. That will sting many Australians, whose fondness for borrowing to buy cars and houses have left them with some of the world's highest levels of private debt. And on top of higher debt service costs, rising energy prices could push up power bills by as much as 20% this year. Nor will the pain end there. The Reserve Bank has warned of yet more tightening ahead. The head of the central bank has warned that rates could reach 2.5% before inflation is brought under control. The Golden State Votes Californians head to the polls on Tuesday. In a series of primaries, voters will pick candidates for the state's local, statewide, and congressional elections in November. The two most interesting races are local. In San Francisco, voters may choose to recall Chesa Boudin, the city district's attorney. Mr. Boudin has become a symbol of America's progressive prosecutor movement, which aims to end mass incarceration and enact other criminal justice reforms. Los Angeles, meanwhile, will select its candidates for the mayoral race. The pair most likely to advance are Karen Bass, a progressive Democratic congresswoman, and Rick Caruso, a billionaire former Republican who wants to crack down on crime and homelessness. Democrats and Republicans across America will also pay close attention to California's congressional primaries in which the two top finishers advance to the midterms regardless of party affiliation. A slew of retirements and redistricting has left eight competitive seats across the state, an unusually high number. Come November, California may be the biggest prize of all. The Balkans IEU Membership Leaders from several Western Balkan states that hope to join the European Union will meet on Tuesday in North Macedonia for a summit of the Open Balkan Initiative. Launched in 2019 out of frustration at the glacial pace of the EU accession progress, the initiative aims to ease intra-Balkan trade and encourage movement of labor. But the leaders will have something more pressing to discuss at their summit. They fear being left in the slow lane if recent EU candidacy bids from Ukraine, Moldova, and Georgia are fast-tracked. North Macedonia, for instance, submitted a request for membership almost 20 years ago. Still, Russia's invasion of Ukraine opens a window of opportunity for the Balkans, too. Vladimir Putin's war has awoken the EU to the geopolitical contests playing out in Europe. There is a Balkan-sized hole in the center of the EU. If the EU does not fill it, others will. A cricketing break for Sri Lanka As the economic crisis darkens Sri Lankan lives with regular blackouts, One part of the country will be glowing for a few hours on Tuesday night. The cricket stadium in Colombo, the capital, will be bathed in floodlights for a 2020 match. 
the first in a series between Australia and Sri Lanka over the next month. Tickets sold out within five hours. The games will bring joy and much-needed economic balm to a country that, in recent weeks, has endured protests, rocketing food and fuel prices, and a change in prime minister. Sri Lanka's cricket board plans to donate all the proceeds from ticket sales to public welfare initiatives, such as hospitals. The games could also indirectly help resurrect Sri Lanka's now moribund tourism industry. If the Australian tour is successful, Sri Lanka will hope to be able to host the Asia Cup, a more lucrative tournament in August. That could attract cricket-mad visitors from Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan. Daily quiz. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso@economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday, which type of tea is named after a British prime minister? Monday, which actor known for playing the Doctor on Doctor Who has recently taken on more villainous roles, such as Kilgrave in Jessica Jones and Dennis Nilsson, a serial killer? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Robert F. Kennedy: "What is objectionable?" What is dangerous about extremists is not that they are extreme, but that they are intolerant. That's the world in brief from the Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to the Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app to start listening.